I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You only get tested maybe at this level once in four years, you know what I mean? You got a balls to kick them. England in possession. Not much of the ball. And it kicks it away again. Toby Flood. Don't sink! This is not soccer. This is not soccer. Because in either game, life or rugby, the margin for error is so small. It's day 10 for us here in Fukuoka, and after four weeks of inching our way south, we're finally turning around and making our way back to Tokyo. More importantly, so are the Ireland team, who, after the loss to Japan, have steadied the ship, made their way out of the pool, and now face a mouth-watering World Cup quarter-final against New Zealand this Saturday in the capital. I'm Brendan O'Brien, and with me is my Irish examiner colleague, Simon Lewis, to take stock of where Ireland, the All Blacks, and this tournament in general all are now that the group stage is over, and Typhoon Hagibis has swept through Japan. Today's show is brought to you by the 100% electric Nissan Leaf, Ireland's best-selling electric car that could save your family thousands every year. Visit evsavings.ie to see just how much you can save by switching to the 100% electric Nissan Leaf today. Nissan. Innovation that excites. So Simon, there's only one place to start with really, and that's I suppose with the consequences for Japan as a country of the typhoon that hit Tokyo, and uh, plenty of other places on Saturday. So even as we speak... You know, recovery operations are still ongoing. The death toll seems to be over 30 with people uh, still unaccounted for. Uh, I'm sure it's the same for you, but it's almost surreal that we're here in the same country while this is happening, and yet there's blue skies out there. And it's just very hard to comprehend, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, as you you mentioned in your introduction there, like we've moved ever south and westward um, since the start of the tournament. We're down here on uh, Kyushu Island, which doesn't seem like an island. We got here by train, so I don't know how we did that. But uh, we're on an island, and we're we're far away from Tokyo. It's been sunny here. It's been uh, delightful, really, and not as you say, not a hint of of anything untoward weather-wise, apart from a bit of chilliness on Saturday night. Mm. But yeah, it's um, it's. I suppose we're as removed mentally as people are back home. Um, and certainly people back in Scotland who kind of were giving out about getting the game on this, that and the other. It's remarkable that that game went ahead last night um, in Yokohama, given that the, the stadium was surrounded by flood water um, on the, the previous night. And it's a credit to, to the Japanese people, I suppose, yeah. and as well as World Rugby for getting that game on, because it really didn't look as if it was possible to play that game. It is... Um, I suppose it set the platform for that game last night as well, mm-hmm. but it's it's just been remarkable that um, a country can withstand natural disaster time and again and, and keep bouncing back to stage Rugby World yeah, Cups. Yeah. Um, Kaimashi uh, up on, in the northeast was hit by a tsunami not too many years ago. They're playing games there now with a rebuilt stadium. Um, and it's just, there's some resilience in this country. Mm. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and, and that's a point I think I made in my column on Friday because I'd seen people kind of suggesting about, you know, this this thing of equivalence. Oh, is it right to be playing rugby at a time like this? And, and the point I made and that lots of people have made is this is what Japan does. Mm. It just keeps on keeping on. And there's been a Japanese Grand Prix. Um, we're into the final stages of the Japanese baseball season. That I, I'm not sure if that was disrupted. I'm sure it was, but that will keep on going. Life here in Fukuoka just kept on going through even the Ireland game in Samoa. But um, obviously plans were changed. I was meant to be at the Japan-Scotland game. Couldn't make it because of, of um, the weather systems and everything else. But such an emotive scene. I mean, even down here in Fukuoka, we we could see what it meant to them as well. Um, but Japan were magnificent as well, weren't they? I mean, just turning to the rugby. Scotland, I don't think, actually played that badly. I don't think they did a whole lot wrong. Um, so if nothing else Japan have proven that what happened in Shizuoka against Ireland just wasn't a one-off I know and to go through that entire pool unbeaten as supposedly a tier mm. 2 nation although in fact they were higher ranked than Scotland going into that game 8 versus 9 in the world um, but but yeah they're, they're a joy to watch aren't they and and having a, that home crowd behind them helps an awful lot I'm, I'm sure of it but it, it just gives them some momentum when perhaps it's flagging um, on the pitch and you know that they were good value for that win and I was delighted when they did hold on because it would have been it wouldn't have been rough um, Scotland wouldn't have not deserved it if you know what I mean but um, um, it was kind of a, a sense that, that, that it all stuck to the script in a way yeah and it, I, I think it's a fantastic thing I mean I even remember watching rugby world cups and soccer world cups when I was younger and the beauty of them you know, in a pre-internet age especially was, you know, you got to see these Brazilian footballers who you'd never heard of before and suddenly realised this guy's a superstar. And you you look at the Japanese guys, I mean, the try that Kenki Fukuoka set up for uh, Matsushima where he fell and just offloaded at that time. This is a guy who's giving up rugby after the tournament to study medicine at the age of 27. Great stories, but, but you look at all the players, I've, I've a few written down in front of me, like these are guys that we didn't really know anything about before the tournament. And, and one thing that you and I know is back in the old days, not so long ago, whenever a Southern Hemisphere team would come to Dublin in November, it would be, uh, yeah, Brian O'Driscoll, great play. Uh, Johnny Sexton, great play. And that would be it. And and I think a lot of people were guilty of that in relation to Japan. They would mention you, Tamura, and that was basic, basically it. But, I mean, what can what can Japan do now? I mean... People talked about the Scotland game, the element of surprise is gone. And you saw Scotland at the start, um, you know, the choke tackle, physically they were trying to dominate them. They did quite well up to that first try. South Africa's a different proposition entirely, I mean, in terms of where they're at and their game and their physicality at the moment. So how do you see that quarterfinal going for the host nation? Yeah, it's an interesting one because um, South Africa are a different kettle of fish altogether, aren't they? And they've beaten them already pre-tournament um the week before the, the first game and quite convincingly as well as if i recall um yeah it's it's a huge ask to i'm getting it's funny we, we were listening to johnny sexton talking about ireland getting up for france in 2015 mm. and almost it being a come down yeah. when, once they got to argentina in the quarterfinals in england and, and wales and I, I have a sense that that might play out again this time around there was so much emotion in that game for Japan to get out of the pool 
to to make history to reach the quarterfinals, the knockout stages for the first time. And you wonder how much le- is left in the tank emotionally now after that, because mm. it was a fantastic night, and the World Cup is already a success. Mm. Um, and they've flown the flag for Asian rugby, if you like, as well. So the, I don't think anyone would would chastise them for not showing up this weekend. But I think they will show up, yeah. and they'll give it a good a good rattle. Mm. I, I think, I hope. Um, but you get the sense that South Africa, um, they'll have built their building still mm. towards this, and um, I don't think they're going to be denied. Yeah, I, I'd share that, actually, yeah. I don't see South Africa losing that one, as good as Japan have been. Uh, but you look at that fantastic f- performance from Japan um, in Yokohama against Scotland and against Ireland in Shizuoka, and then we turn to Ireland, who play a very different brand of rugby. Um, and I'm sure I wasn't alone in looking at that last night and thinking it'll be lovely to see a little bit more of that expressiveness in the Irish game. But Ireland play how Ireland play. Um and they're not going to change now. <laughs> no, no, not a good time not to be changing. Tournament. No. So, I mean, 47-5 against Samoa in Fukuoka on Saturday night. Seven tries. Um, all this despite playing 50-something minutes with 14 men after Bundyaki was sent off. So, you know, Samoa, like especially the first two or three tries, I thought defensively they were woeful. Um, you know, it was, Ireland had to do very little to get in. But, you know, that's that's part of the context. But how, how good was that Ireland performance and how much momentum do you think it gives them going into the New Zealand game? Well, I think given where they start from where they started um, with that defeat to, to Japan, which was awful. Uh, it was an awful performance. <clears throat> the, certainly the last hour of it anyway. Um, and then kind of getting back on the bike a little bit against Russia. Um, again, context, 35-0 bonus point win, <laughs> like a uh, clean sheet. That, that's not to be sniffed at, but it wasn't, whatever the island camp says, it wasn't a, a fluent performance. Yeah. It, it was a, a scratch side it, to a certain degree, although their squad has been together a long time, but it, it wasn't Ireland at their best. I don't think anyone's mm. going to deny that. So the Samoa game, we get to there, seven tries, um, a 14-man training drill, if you like, mm. after having laid the platform. Aki got sent off with the score 21-5, I think. Um, it it was encouraging. And, and as poor as that Samoan defence was in the early days, like that more was impressive yeah. that Rory Best scored from. Tyg Furlong, I don't know if there was many defences that would have stopped him <laughs> in that kind of mood. He went through about four four yeah. Samoan tackles yeah. um, to get to where he wanted to be for, for the second try. <clears throat> you know, it, it, there's a lot of good things to take from that. Mm. And, you know, no one's kidding themselves that Ireland are going to have to raise their game again. Yeah. Because um, the All Blacks, again, is is a different ball game entirely. Mm. But I get the sense that Ireland do better preparing for these massive games, mm. especially with some time... I'm sure they'll have been working on stuff aside from Samoa last week yeah. during that nine-day yeah. turnaround. Um, the analysis will have been done, as we've heard from Vinnie Hammond, um, a long way out on New Zealand. They're, they're, they aren't the strangers mm. that came up on the boat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. for a winter tour. Yeah. You know, th- these this is a side well known. They may be different. They may have developed a small bit mm. since 2018, but. Um, I think Ireland are in a pretty good place, to be honest. They'll, they'll travel to uh, Tokyo today, so that's maybe a, a, a day's loss. Yeah. Um, they'll they'll probably walk through, do a walk through this morning before they get on the plane. 
um, and they'll they'll do some, but they're also recovering as well. So I think they're going to hit the ground running on Tuesday. I'm not going to. I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm sure we'll talk about that more on Friday. But <clears throat> but they're in a good place, you know. Um, they've got to where they need to be. It wasn't quite the route they thought it might, you know, take them. But um, you know, I think they're all the better, and, and hopefully they're all the better for losing to Japan as early in the tournament as they did. Yeah, well, we've heard a Japan game described as a blip about 1,800 times yes. at this stage. So, And and it was on a podcast, when was it? Um, about a week ago where you suggested maybe was Scotland the, the blip. <laughs> yeah. And it was, a, it was a very reasonable point yeah. to make because we had nothing to go on. Thank but you. Yeah, no, no, I'll back you up on that. I'll back, I won't leave you hanging. That's fine. But, um, but, but you look at Ireland as well, and I think one of the, the concerns coming into the tournament was individual form in a lot of places mm. um, you know you looked at maybe some systems breakdowns in the Six Nations and, and Twickenham and stuff like that and there was reasons for that as well but in terms of players I think we're looking at you, you mentioned Tyg Furlong there I mean there's a, there a sense that like his performance on Saturday was Furlong coming back to his best and he actually we actually spoke to him last week about his form and he described it as okay mm. you know and so there is that sense that guys are really starting to stand up so who who else has stood out for you I mean you know just the obvious one Sexton's in great form Connor Murray his passing seemed really really sharp at, at the weekend so who else is encouraging you in terms of players who are putting up their hands well I, I think again coming from where they've come from I think CJ Stander is, is hitting yeah. some form now I thought he was superb on uh, Saturday against Samoa as was Josh van der Fleer as well I thought he was fantastic you know the the work rate and uh and um you know Henshaw's maybe looked a bit rusty that was his first game of the tournament I think from what we saw pre-season before he got the hamstring injury um he looked pretty sharp in in um against Wales, against Wales in yeah. Dublin and you know that form can't be too far from the surface with that that game under his belt now so yeah, there, there's some really good performances in there. Um, Sexton and Murray, as you mentioned. Um, Jordan Lama, mm. like a, a revelation, maybe. I don't know. I, well, I think, maybe his positional sense was, was what yeah, was really important. On. You yeah. think if he was kind of... There were there was a bit of trepidation when he, he started against Scotland instead of Rob Carney. He put that to bed in the, in the rain in Yokohama. A lot of um, assurance under the high ball there. Maybe a couple of errors... But um, he was electric going forward. I think he led um, the the match in stats wise for uh, defenders beaten, clean breaks, um, that kind of thing. So <clears throat> yeah, it's all coming together, and it's it's an interesting selection process now for yeah. for Joe Schmidt and and his the management team because there's a lot of players now putting their hands up, whereas before we probably came into this tournament knowing pretty much. Who starts where? Um, injuries permitting. Now he has a full deck. Bundyaki aside, and that disciplinary hearing will be in Tokyo on Monday. So, um, yeah, it's um, yeah, they're in a good place. Dare yeah. I say it? Oh, this this seem to be. This seem to be. And there there is, a, as you mentioned earlier, Johnny Sexton was up doing media this morning, which was he was doing it with uh, Vinny Hammond, the the analyst, uh, which was a clever move because they work off each other very well. There's very a good. Right, yeah good kind of um, comedic duo up top uh, talking about the old days when, when they were playing as 9 and 10 with St Mary's um, so let's have a listen to, to what Johnny Sexton had to say this morning as he 
teed up Ireland's forthcoming Rugby World Cup quarter final against New Zealand. It's be an incredibly tough game, but it's uh, one that we're we're looking forward to, and one that I suppose we can take a little bit of confidence off over the last few times we played them. Um, well, I'm hoping that having lost the pool game, that we've got that sort of quarter-final performance out of our system that we've had in other years. Um, you know, against I suppose the, the way we played against Japan was probably very similar to the way we played against um, you know Wales and Argentina over the last two quarter-finals. Um, and our differences that we're, we're, I suppose, we're not favourites going into this quarterfinal like we were in the last two. Um, so we've we're building nicely. Uh, we haven't sort of hit our best performance yet, and uh, like I said, we need to get close to that to, to get the right result on Saturday. I think New Zealand are, are used to dealing with that pressure. Um, I watched that documentary they did on um, Amazon where they're beating teams by 40 points and they're still getting slated at home. Uh, so it's uh, that pressure, I suppose, is with them every time they pull on the jersey, so I don't think it'll be much different for this team. We're, we've been building, I think, uh, pretty well, um, apart from that poor sort of 60 minutes against Japan. You know, everything else has pretty much gone to plan. Um, I suppose a lot of negativity around us um, has, we feel, has been a little bit strange but uh, you know we're pretty confident and pretty positive in, in how we've been building obviously we'd like to be playing better at times in, in some regards but uh, I think uh, hopefully we can put that out there on Saturday now. So that was uh, Johnny Sexton teeing up as I said um, this Saturday's uh, quarter final against the All Blacks so let's let's turn our attention to the the All Black menace that's looming on the horizon uh, the Black Knight whatever you want to call them uh, we'll go into more detail on them maybe in next Friday's podcast um, the day before the game um, but you look at where they are now Simon they've played three games obviously their last game against Italy was controversially cancelled but they played three games won three for 157 against 22 tries 22 four and one against so they've scored as many tries as points conceded which is very all blacks of them um, so you know, we, we we haven't seen a whole lot of New Zealand apart from the first game. I mean, they we're always going to plough through Canada and Namibia, but it's kind of it's a it's an evolving All Blacks team in front of our eyes. Even though we're in the middle of a World Cup, I mean, you talked about you know Ireland aren't going to change what they're doing now, but the All Blacks are really kind of nearly thumbing their nose up at that convention and saying, you know, we're gonna we're gonna find our way as we go along, and we're good enough to do it. Yeah, the, the, it, there is a sense that it's a work in progress. Uh, you mentioned Bowden Barrett um, playing at 15, Richie Moonga starting at 10, two fly halves on the pitch. Um, that's exciting, and and but it's kind of unproven. They came through New Zealand all right. It wasn't, you know, the conditions, New Zealand, they came through the South, South Africa, Africa game, yeah. the opening pool game. Um, it, it wasn't, it was a fantastic pool game, mm. um, but it wasn't the All Blacks at their best scored two tries that killed the game basically um great counter-attacking tries um and they withstood a lot of pressure uh from from South Africa so that's really as you say the only litmus test they've lost their unbeaten record in pool games these yeah <laughs> thanks to disaster nil nil draw it took a typhoon to do it but uh there you go yeah so um yeah where are they at it's 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 difficult to tell and you know, you expect them. They're 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 um, they're made for knockout rugby, aren't they? They haven't been beaten since two thousand. Well, since two thousand seven. Yeah. So um, 
in a knockout game. Ireland haven't won a, a knockout game in a World Cup ever. So, you know, that that's immediately a golfing experience. Mm. Um, so, yeah, what's not to like about the All Blacks? Mm. Um, don't answer that. But um. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, is, it is interesting with, you know, Barrett and I was reading some of the New Zealand websites uh, today and there's this sense of, the, you know, Barrett's ready to explode and he could be the first guy to win the World Player of the Year from two different positions. Um, but and, and this is this is a kind of a an experiment that they've been doing for, you know, in different ways for the last year, I suppose. They had Damien McKenzie at 15, who obviously got that terrible injury that kept him out of the World mm-hmm. Cup. Um, and just looking, you and I were looking at this before the podcast, you look at that New Zealand team that Ireland played in November when, when they beat them in Dublin. Um, there's only, you compare that team to the team that started against South Africa and Yokohama, there's only four players playing the same positions. Bowden Barrett... Uh, has gone from 10 to 15 and Artie Savea went from 7 to 6. So that's nine different players. And you'd imagine that's close to their top team. You look at the different wingers in there, they're still not sure about where the, the best centre partnership is. I think they've used five different centres. You know, Savea is doing different things. Brody Ritalik has only got 31 minutes mm-hmm. um, uh, in one of the games after his long injury. So there are, it's it's nearly unusual. There's a lot of known unknowns about New Zealand that's not to say that they're weaker or anything but it's and it's a different and if you look at South Africa as well do you remember everybody was remarking about it how the use of the box kick and the cross kick that they didn't even take from the locker when they played South Africa during the summer they just landed that on on South Africa that night it really took them by surprise Mm. so it's it's really like the thing with New Zealand always was you knew what you were going to get and you couldn't stop it so it's, for me, it's perfectly feasible that they could come out with something different in terms of personnel or tactics at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, as you say, kind of nothing changes, but everything does mm. at the same time. They, I mean, I, I think if you compared the teams from 2018 to the Chicago game 2016, mm. very different personnel involved. Yeah. Obviously, one of the key factors in, in the Chicago game, Soldier Field Chicago, was <clears throat> the locks, second row. There was no retaliate, yeah. no white lock. Yeah. So they... They do move on, they progress, but they evolve and, you know, they keep reinventing themselves, if you like. Uh, and I think you mentioned the centre part- partnership. You know, you've got Sonny, uh, Sonny Bill Williams kind of bit part player now. Um, I think Anton Leonard Brown's superb. been superb yeah. form. Yeah. He's been absolutely brilliant. He'd be in any team of the World Cup if you picked it now, I think. Um, so... You know that they will offer us some some surprises. You mentioned a crossfield kick. I think that was one of the things that undid uh, Ireland in the revenge game, if you like, in yeah. 2016 from Bowden Barrett. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they pull these things out out of the hat every now and again. They they they're excellent at keeping their powder dry for when it matters, and and this is a game that matters. So, expect the unexpected. What what about this 13 day gap since Namibia, Simon? Um, this is like. This is something I cover GA as well, and it's something that always comes up with the disparity in the draws and the all earned championships. And such a county hasn't played in six weeks, and the others have played four games in a row through the qualifiers. Um, we're hearing a lot about a, a semi legendary full out training session that the All Blacks had on Friday that sounds an awful lot, a lot like um, a Nolan Park Kilkenny hurling training <laughs> session. Um, and if they do go on and win it, I think this will go down in history. A seminal moment. Yeah. A seminal, the best game never seen, basically. Yeah. 
But I, I, I think it's impossible to argue that Ireland aren't better for having that hit out against Samoa, isn't it? Absolutely. I think it's horses for courses. Ireland definitely needed that game against Samoa. Imagine if their game had been cancelled. The, the, the anxiety would have caused just in this room. Um, having not played from Russia in yeah. in Kobe to to Tokyo in a quarter final uh, next Saturday, so yeah, they needed it. They 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 as part as we talked about getting that getting back on track um, after the blip mm. stroke disaster. Um, so yeah, it's horses for courses. I think Ireland will benefit from that. I, I think they feel that they needed the nine day gap between Russia and Samoa yeah. to get the house in order. They blew out some cobwebs with a weekend off. Then they hit the ground running with a training week. They've got another long training week, seven days this time around. And they are generally better at coping with long lead-ins to games than than short turnarounds. So, you know, there was a long build-up to Scotland in the opening pool game and they they hit the ground running. Um, So, yeah, I I think seven days is enough for them as as was nine days was was perfect so it, it's the it's, it's it's all about timing uh, i don't think new zealand are going to be, be sorry they had the weekend off put it that way yeah. um and yes they're obviously feeling pretty good about themselves they wouldn't say anything else but um yeah and i think it was interesting that kieran reeds was asked yesterday um whether you know they do well after extended breaks because they don't start tours well in 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 the northern hemisphere when they come every november um and they tend not to play well in the summer series that precedes the rugby championship but kieran reed was at pains to say we haven't had a break yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. How you know dare you suggest yeah it? two weeks off you're kidding <laughs> and um so yeah it's how you treat it as well i mean if ireland needed that blowout weekend i'm not mm. suggesting they went mad yeah, yeah, yeah. but they they got away from rugby for a bit they they did their own thing they met their families and uh it seemed to do them the power of good and i'm sure new zealand haven't wasted any time and i'm sure we'll hear um a couple of barbs and jokes from um mr steve hansen during the week i'm looking forward yeah, to comedy steve. <laughs> i'm looking forward to attending those press conferences because he set it up very nicely in november when he talked about ireland with the pressure of having you know the world number one tag on their back and saying whoever won that game would be the best team in the world so plenty to look forward to there and that's before we even mentioned the other three quarterfinals we, we briefly mentioned Japan and South Africa at the top of the show so um, just to go through the other semi uh, quarterfinals England and Australia play in Oita Oita I still don't know the, how to pronounce that one on Saturday and Wales and France meet in the same city on the Sunday so there's absolutely plenty to look forward to but maybe let's just wrap it up by, by looking at the quarterfinal stages you know, we've had some wonderful games, wonderful performances so far. Is this the point where cup rugby comes to the fore? The weather is starting to turn a little bit, a little bit chillier. Are we going to see some more up the jumper stuff, a lot more cross kicking, or you know, are you confident that we're going to see some sparkling rugby from here on in? Well, as you say, I think a lot depends on the conditions, and they're, they're, it's not always up the jumper stuff. I think you know we we talked about it before. You know, New Zealand came out and hammered. France in Cardiff um, at the quarterfinal stage, um, and Argentina happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you mentioned that, not me. But um, yeah, so these things, you know, you do get exciting games in quarterfinals and sometimes semi-finals as well. You know, um, but things—it's only human for for 
you know, a bit of tension to creep in now that now we're at the business end of a tournament, knockout rugby, win or go home. Um, that tends to do things to the mind, doesn't it? Exactly, yeah. So I think that wraps it up for us today. We have a, a flight to catch to Tokyo. We're saying goodbye to Fukuoka after, what, 10 days? 10 days. 10 days 10 of Yatai's food stalls. and um, Yeah, it's been tough. It's been a tough, <laughs> t- a lovely city in fairness. Yeah, really, city, really yeah, nice city. Um, so the next time we you hear from us, we'll be in Tokyo next Friday. But I suppose you can um, catch up with everything that's happening in the Irish Examiner every day as well. So you have been listening to... The Irish Examiner Rugby World Cup podcast with the Nissan Leaf, the world's best-selling electric vehicle. Book a test drive today at nissan.ie. Nissan, innovation that excites. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs>